This is a Locker Room Production. Hey, everybody. Want to make sure people here can hear me? I see in the chats you can. Yes, sir. Awesome. Uh, waiting for Sherrod. I think Sherrod's in here now. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, man? Uh, we are good. Sherrod, give this a tweet to your followers. We've got some people joining the room. Guys, um, Ahmed, if you can, make me the host. Oh, there it is. Uh, and I do see the speaker request piling up. Um, so, uh, like I said, Sherrod, send a tweet out to people. Let them know that we're in here. I'm going to do the same. In the meantime, um, we are uh, – let me see. We've got quite a few people in here already. Uh, here. Okay, excuse me. All right, here we go. Let me jump out of this. Uh, all right, we're lining it up to speak. Uh, I'm going to bring in some people right now. Uh, Nick's been waiting patiently. I do want to let people know, uh, as we normally do it. Um, let's see here. Hold on. Um, we're going to mute you. Um, or, or, I'm sorry. Uh, if you can, please mute yourself. Uh, when you come onto the stream and we will, uh, when you come into the room and we will uh, uh, call on you and then uh, unmute. Uh, Celtics, of course, lost to Chicago, kind of a bummer of a game. Uh, if you're just joining us from the post-game show, you know, it wasn't a ton to talk about here, but I'm curious everybody else's thoughts. We kind of kicked it around as best we could, but we got into Tremont Waters and uh, Gershon Yabuselli pretty early in the show. So it was that kind of <laughs> night. Uh, let's, bring in, let's bring in our guy, Nick. He's been with us since day one. What's up, Nick? What's up, Nick? Hey. Hey, what's good, y'all? Um, what's up? Yeah, it's not really, you know, where we were um, injured, so I can't really, you know, be too uh, too upset. But um, Tatum just had an off off uh, shooting uh, performance, but God damn it, Grant Williams! Why do we? Why? <laughs> why? Like why? I like. I used to like him so much because, you know, he, he he can switch, you know, he does this, he does that, but he just can't seem to hit a shot this this whole year. And it's just like he's I'm not gonna say he's turned into Neesmith, but he like it's just I don't get why Brad still like tries so hard to to give him time. And with um with like Jabari should be playing all of his time now. Like he doesn't play any defense, but he can score, and that's what we this is what we need. And Grant literally has done nothing these past three games. <laughs> so I I don't I don't know, but you know it was it was kind of it. Was, it was tough because you know we were uh, we were hurt, but my biggest problem was Grant. Um, Romeo was okay. Uh, Traymon changed it in the uh, in the uh, fourth 
But um, yeah, this game didn't really have a lot to uh to, to yeah. talk about. So no, we hear you, Nick. So it's funny because um, Sherrod. Sherrod tried so hard to not make this a Grant Williams show, but it is funny because like (laughs) within seconds, our stream uh, was just uh, the chat was just filled with um, Grant's got to go. You know, it was, it was unreal. Um, And uh, it it just, it was just funny uh, that that's all anybody pointed at. I, I didn't think that was the thing that cost him this game, but I mean, Instead of breaking down Grant Williams' performance tonight, why do you think he's such a magnet for this type of criticism? Because, Nick, you're not alone. I, I've, I've gone in on Grant quite a bit. Um, but it's a, the, the hatred or just the venom that people uh, talk about him with every single game. There's just there's so much anti-Grant sentiment out there. Sherrod, why do you think that is? You know what? I, I think because Grant, at his best, does not have – a sexy, appealing game. Uh, the, the things that he does well, he, he a good positional defender more times than not. Uh, he makes hustle plays from time to time. Uh, but he's not a big-time big scorer. He's not a big-time rebounder. He's not this over-the-top athlete. Uh, he doesn't check off the boxes that I think most people like to see NBA players check off. And I think when, you're, when you don't do that and you're not – um, your play isn't the things that you do well isn't resonating. You're gonna get the you're gonna get the backlash that he's getting. I still think Grant is a guy that in certain situations can help this team. I just don't think he's done as good a job at the things that he does well as he needs to. And to you know to to Nick's point, you know having a guy like Jabari in the mix, you know now all of a sudden if you get in a situation where if you're Brad and you're trying to decide whether I want to go with the guy who is a, who's a better defender or go with the guy who's the significantly better scorer, uh, you're probably going to lean a little bit more and more on Jabari as you're going forward. Because the thing, again, Jabari is such a good scorer that I think to some degree his offense can be, frankly, good defense, if you know what I mean. I mean, if he can wear you out offensively and take away a little bit of what you can do at the other end, and that I think can help him where with Grant – Guys are resting when he's out there on offense and they're ready to go at him full strength when he has to play defense. And so it's a tough spot for Brad to be in. But I think what you're going to see, you're going to see Grant's minutes slowly but surely drop a little bit. And we'll see, I think, a little bit more of Jabari as time moves on. Um, Yeah, and that was what we thought, Sherrod, right out of the gate, that this definitely was going to spell – not, if not the end of Grant minutes, um, it would be less. The problem is, again, you can't really get a sense of who's going to, what the rotations are going to be, you know, who's going to impact what, what guys might play against what lineups, what a, cl- what, how different closing lineups can look. It's, it's literally impossible to get a sense of truly whatever vision they have for this roster that they've assembled for the stretch run in the playoffs until you get everybody out there. It's friggin' nuts. They can't, there's not a single game where you've got them all. Uh, this, it, you just can't get there. Um, so again, you're hoping at this point, Fournier cleared quarantine um, and he should theoretically be ready to go soon. Rob, they told us, Brad said was close. You'd love to see him out there Thursday. Smart and uh, Kemba had these small illnesses. Theoretically, 
at, by the end of this week, you could have a full lineup. And I am very curious to see how they play it once they do. Um, let's welcome some more people in here. Joe Sway is joining us from the garden. Joe Sway, what's up, buddy? What's going on, fellas? All right. Crystal clear now, I'm hoping, right? You are wonderful. We're going to welcome in Kevin, Kevin? Uh, first uh, to ask us a question here. Kevin, are you there? Hello. Hey, hey Kevin, what's up, Kevin? man? Hey, what's up, dude? Awesome work tonight. Yeah. I just, I think Jason Tatum like, is the key that we lost tonight. Like, he didn't score much. And he's triple-double, like people say in the comments, are weak. Like, what happened to him tonight? Um, it's good. Good question, Kevin. I think, I mean, you, you guys, you know, I mean, Joe Sway, you were there. What, you know, what are your thoughts on Tatum? Um, honestly, I don't, I don't think that was the problem. I mean, yeah, he was ice cold a bit and it was hard to find his, uh, find his office in that first half. But I just thought, uh, that third quarter, I mean, I guess if you want to highlight that, but I just think the team as a whole just... They, they they just couldn't slow down the Bulls. I mean, what was it, thirty-two to eighteen in that third quarter? I, I just think again, the Celtics dug themselves into a hole, and I don't know if I, this one falls on Tatum per se. I mean, of course, uh, I I liked how he tried to get guys involved. Maybe my one complaint would be, uh, what was it, a couple possessions, or at least it turned into a, a second possession offensively. It was under a minute to go, and he didn't touch the ball once. Uh, I think that was the one where, where either Pritchard or Romeo missed. They, they bummed that layup. One, one of the two. Uh, they both missed a, a, a big layup down the stretch, but it was that play in particular. I think that was my only problem. It seemed like him and Jalen were just sort of standing by the three. Uh, Jalen was deep in the corner, and Tatum was at the top of the key. It looked like they were just looking for a three no matter what. I wasn't excited about that. I'd prefer them to go grab that ball or try to do a better job of, of commanding that ball because it was a good 17 seconds or maybe a little less than that where they, uh, they, they could have been more uh, demonstrative and, and get that ball from someone from, I don't know, was it Tremont Waters or, or excuse me, uh, Peyton Pritchard, you know, one of the younger teammates that shouldn't have been an issue uh, to, to command that ball with only, what, 55 seconds. Well, Sherrod, this was a game. Think, did you see anything for – I was just going to ask you, did you see anything different in approach? Like, look, it's hard to get in on a guy after he went for 44 and looked friggin' unstoppable and you've got, you know – arguably the greatest player, the best player in the NBA right now, Steph Curry talking about like being how impressed he is with Tatum to this kind of game. And do you chalk it up to just shots didn't fall? Or do you think maybe he got a little lazy with his approach? Cause again, you know, the, the most amazing, the most impressive stat about the last game was how much of it he got uh, at the rim. You know, I think it was 18 points in the paint um, against golden state. And in this, do you think he kind of went back into like, I'm just going to kind of flick a few shots up there and see if they fall, and they just they just didn't? I don't think he was as aggressive in, right. in this game as he was in, in the previous games. And I think part of that has to do with, one, just the mental fatigue of having so many games every other day. I just think that this was one of those games where Tatum, he just didn't have it. Uh, he, he didn't have that that extra boost that, that we've seen him deliver and it look in the course of a long NBA season, you're going to have nights like that. But see, that's where, as we've talked about before, when you're missing four of your top six players, uh, and your best player is having one of these nights, which he's he's certainly due to have when you look at the run that he's been on, it's going to be hard to win. Uh, you, you're going to need somebody like a Peyton Pritchard or you know a Romeo Langford or Grant Williams or just one of those non top five, top six guys 
to have a really, really big game. And I know statistically Peyton Pritchard had a good game. He was like five for six shooting. I think he had like, like 11, 12, 13 points, something like that. But he by no means was as impactful as his numbers might suggest. Uh, they needed someone to be a difference maker that's not in their, their regular top five, top six, and that didn't happen. Because uh, Tatum, and to his credit, uh, yes, he shot like absolute, you know, just big heaping crap all game long. No, no doubt about that. But he was able to get others involved. He was able to rebound the ball. His defense it wasn't great, but it didn't suck either. He did other things to try to mask for that. They needed someone to step up and they just didn't get that. And, and, and again, that, that falls back on this roster, uh, just not having a lot of options, uh, particularly when guys, so many of their, their core guys are out. Yeah. You talked about the health, John. This is still a scary situation if one or two injuries hits. They have a little insurance now with Fournier, and that's why that move was so desperately needed, because if anyone got hurt prior to that, they were down to this Grant semi Romeo situation here, and Romeo wasn't even there earlier in the year. So you look at tonight, it's been so long since they got back to that situation that we almost forget how dire every game night was back then. Offensively, not having the options to go to, all the pressure being on Tatum and Brown to do everything. And tonight was getting back to that a little bit. Now, Parker released that valve a little bit for stretches here. They had certain bench alignments that look good, and I see people going crazy about Brad in the chat. I'm going to say what I said back then. What do you do? He tried every single wing here. He went to almost every lineup combination you can imagine. And the offense just couldn't get it tonight. And, again, it was young guys not rising to the occasion. It's a miracle almost that Tatum went 3 of 17 with 10 assists. What a weird line. Just like I said, we said it in the postgame show. Four of your six best players aren't here. And Tatum, if he literally goes 5 for 17 instead of 3 for 17, they win this game. So, I mean, you almost snuck this out with, I mean, as almost nothing as far as, you're right. What was, I mean, every lineup he put out there when Jalen and Jason weren't on the floor was like, blech. Uh, my question for you guys is why, uh, if this, if Tatum was having such a rough game, why didn't Jalen have the ball in his hands more? Because he, 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 he did have it going. Yeah, that's the question. Every, I, I was that, Bobby. That's exactly we we find ourselves asking that question even on nights when Tatum does have it going, and so does Jalen. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason for that. I, I think it, the only thing I can think of as I watch this team play over and over and over again is that they don't have a floor general who can orchestrate that. Yeah, to the point where they recognize who has the hot hand, and they work the offense around making sure that person has the ball in their hands to just keep milking that as much as they can. They don't have that. Uh, I think Marcus Smart does a solid job, but where was Marcus Smart tonight? Wasn't available. Well, you saw that late possessions too, Sherrod, and that's how how many times have the Celtics been in a situation sometimes where you have somebody working the ball – to the wrong people at the wrong times, you know, like right. you, you get, you, you, you have Tatum and Brown on the right side of the floor and, and they dribble left and hand it off to Romeo or print, you know, someone else over there. And like, you don't want it over there. You start, you, you gotta, you gotta get it over to those other guys first, you know, or at least get them, get them like a, get them a touch, you know, but it's, it's strange. Like you do wonder whether Jalen's going to get a complex at some point and start feeling like Ray Allen did with like, are people intentionally not passing to me? You know, like, uh, you know, you definitely don't want, you don't want him to get that vibe, but he's got to be sitting there like, 
what's going on, man? You know, and we always go back to Brad on yeah. this. You know, this is again my one. My, this has always been my one critique of Brad. It's never been not throwing chairs or being stuff like that. You know, that, that stuff is garbage. I mean, it's, what were it's, they doing it's, on it's so the, many of the possessions? It's tonight. the roles. It's the it's the roles and the possessions. Like so, sometimes people need to be told. They have to be told what to do. Why was Stemi taking a full court transition run? And there were a couple of possessions where he just went right at the defense and attacked. Pritchard did it time and time again, too. Pritchard isn't out there to score and take a bunch of shots. And it's great that he allows himself to force defensive pressure on himself. you got to be an attacker to be a great passer. And he certainly does that. But it feels like as the season's gone on, he's gotten less and less fixated on being that floor general, a distributor, a guy who gets the right locations on the floor and finds guys again and again. He did that so well early on this year, and there were a few times tonight where he did it. And this was a massive spot for him. This is only, what, his second start, third start at most? And they've been hesitant to put him in the spot because he hasn't looked great in it. And again tonight, I thought he fell short in what they needed from him. And they're asking too many guys on the lower portion of this roster to step up in the opportunities that they don't seem capable of yet. And who knows if they ever get there, but it doesn't seem like a lot of these guys are going to be able to play 20-plus minutes this year. But you're right, John. 15 shots for Brown, 24 for Cornette, Neesmith, Ojale, Grant, uh, those kind of guys. It just it can't happen. It's weird, uh, but I, we haven't heard from Jimmy yet. So I, I just let everybody know: Bobby Manning, Jimmy Toscano have also joined us along with Josue Pavone. Uh, I'm going to welcome people into uh, speak to us here. Um, you know, so just make sure you got a you got a request to speak. I will put you up there. Uh, just please mute until we call from you, just to make sure that there's no background noise. Uh, we're going to go uh, right now to Taj. What's up, Taj? What's up? How you guys doing? Uh, we're doing well, man. I, that was kind of a rocky one on the post game show. We're all we, we all have a little PTSD right now from some technical <laughs> difficulties, but we're hanging in. Uh, nah, I just got a. <laughs> That's so- yeah, I'm still rattled. I'm yeah, like only like I'm legit rattled right now. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I just wanted to know how you guys uh like I feel about Romeo. I have one question. Uh, like watching him, I know he's a great defender and all that, but. You guys think that's going to be his ceiling? Because watching him, I feel like he's just going to be, and I hate to say this, but I see another Andre Roberson where he just camps in the corner, really can't hit a shot, but he has great finishing ability a little bit, but that's pretty much it. I just want to know how you guys feel about it. It's not a bad comp, and I think No, that's, that's a great, that's a scary yeah. slash. Yeah. Andre Roberson. No, you go go for it. Just every I've I've said my piece on Romeo. I'm bullish because I think he can contribute in more ways and give you something you need. But you're right. I I think there's limitations there, and you know we talked about it on the show. You know, I you want to see him be able to knock down those open corner threes, and that might come for some people. That stuff doesn't come till year three or four, and you know he gets more reps and he might get more confident in that shot. So I'm not giving up on it. I do like the other stuff I see, but what what are your thoughts, uh, Josue? Yeah, no, same. I mean, I, I just think that would be worst case scenario, but it's, it's certainly likely. It's still too early. I mean, he doesn't still, he still show a lot of confidence on the defensive end, which I think normally, uh, will translate on the offensive end to hit, knock, to knock down open shots. I mean, uh, Sherrod and I, we talked about, uh, him looking like a young Avery Bradley. I, I think that was sort of almost like what Avery was doing, right? I mean, he could do the backdoor cuts and he was good for those quick layups and those quick putbacks. 
But it took him a year or so to get down that shot. I mean, it was the defense that essentially got him the job, right? He took the starting job from Ray Allen because of the defense. Is Romeo Langford's defense up to that point? I'm not quite sure, but it certainly showed a lot of effort. I mean, it showed him a lot of uh, potential uh, within the last week or two. And I, I think that's, that's going to go a long way for the Celtics team. But again, yeah, to, to, to compare to Andre Roberson, because man, that dude was a bad man. I mean, there was a lot of people that he, that, that couldn't score on, on Roberson. So it's not an awful thing in the world, especially for this specific Celtics team. But you hope that's not the case because he's already shown flashes that he can be a, a shooter, maybe not a lethal one, but a, a reliable one. And that's what the Celtics really need. Yeah. yeah. The I tricky mean, thing me, for if, the... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, for, for Romeo, it's just a matter of, like, literally making open shots. If he can do that with some consistency, he's not going to have a problem getting minutes. Uh, when you look at the, the latter stages of this game where he missed the wide open shot from the corner, then it... They, they were able to keep the ball alive, and then he missed the, the short bunny inside the paint. He's got to make one or both of those type of shots. Uh, those are the type of shots that a guy who's out there primarily for defense has to, get, has to get those buckets. Uh, because to me, anything he scores is, is gravy because uh, he's not out there to do that. But when the opportunity presents itself, particularly when it's an open look, he's got to get better. And that's the thing that made Andre Roberson, frankly, a, a, a solid NBA player. He got to the point where he could knock down the open looks and defend at an elite level. Yeah, and, but I do think, again, I do think Romeo has finishing ability. And when he starts to kind of like, when the game slows down a little bit for him, he's going to see those opportunities more frequently and be able to take them. Right now, it's, is this my, is, do, it, it, you know, it, is, do I have a lane? Oh, it's gone. You know, like if you think for a second, you, it's over. I wish You've we bar- saw more from a ball handling standpoint. But he ran the point the a little bit tonight. Was there. He ran the point tonight. Yeah, I just didn't see him do a ton with it. He I, didn't. I he he, saw a little bit he Avery Bradleyed it, you know, and we've yeah. made that comp before. He got over half court. And I feel like it. he's a better, he, at least going back to his high school days, feels like he's a better dribbler than Bradley. Much was. better Bradley than Bradley. Was, much Bradley was a point guard coming in too, so I guess it's not necessarily transferable. If you were just a point guard at one level, you're going to be at the next level because uh, we haven't seen a lot of it from Langford. And that's my worry with these younger guys. There's not a ton of opportunity for them to handle ball handle and take lead roles and get experience just running games out and getting extended play. That That's just not here for any of these guys because of where the team is at. So that's why I've been in favor of going toward more veteran guys who – are great at filling spot-up shooting roles or, uh, you know, know what it takes to be a cutting four who just focuses on that kind of stuff offensively. Because for so many of these guys, especially with what you look at tonight, we said this about Tremont Waters on Thursday, you're just going out there jacking shots because you don't know, like, what else your role is at this point in your NBA career. That seems like where most of the young guys on this roster are. Uh, No doubt. Um, Let's bring in Cody here. Uh, Cody, what's up, man? Yeah, what's going on, guys? Uh, we've got some great, lively discussions going on tonight. I thought I'd bring in a much better one that I think needs to be talked about. Who had the worst first year, Aaron Neesmith or James Young? I really want to get you guys into this one because I personally was not a fan of James Young. And I've, I've looked at the numbers, and I am seeing crazy similarities. I mean, both averaging three points a game, both averaging under 35 field goal both averaging near 33 points. I mean, it just atrocious on both sides. I just want James yeah. Young, by the way, is still only James- 25 years old. That's wild. 
Oh, great. They can bring him in, too. <laughs> no, it's crazy, right? It feels like he's been out of basketball for seven years. <laughs> he's 25 and playing in Israel. The most common comp, I'll let these guys take it, by far the most common comp we get in the chat on these shows for Aaron Neesmith is James Young, by far. Well, that's worst-case scenario. That's like <laughs> ultimate worst-case scenario, right? Because James Young never – it just never clicked for him here. I mean, it, it, it was all based on potential. It was all based on what you heard. You know, that was the year that Smart and Young came in the same class, and there was a lot of Celtics were doing a lot of marketing around both those guys. And, you know, Smart sort of blossomed. Yeah. And, and we're Young and that. Smart, get it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Smart, the difference yeah, between t- Smart, one of the big differences <laughs> between yeah, those How much are those going for? <laughs> <laughs> Those are the ones that they send overseas, you know, like along yeah. along with the Super Bowl, <laughs> along with the other Super Bowl winner, the, yeah. like, the losing team. Yeah, I have a feeling James Young probably. The first to say uh, Pat's undefeated Super Bowl champion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super Bowl champion T-shirts. I mean those that, Atlanta along, Falcons Super Bowl T-shirts. Yeah, along with the smart. Hey, yeah, yeah, that one. That one's better. Yeah, I yeah. mean it, it, it's a tough it's a tough conversation to have because. You're only having it because of how poorly Neesmith's career has begun. I, I, it's way, we, we said this in the YouTube show. It's way too soon to give up on, on Neesmith. He needs a full off season, a full, I mean, it needs a full year in Maine, to be completely honest. But, but yeah, I mean, the, the problem with James Young is that he didn't, it didn't seem like he, he ever bought into like the team. It didn't really feel like he had that same intensity. I mean, He's, you know, polar opposite of Marcus Smart from, like, the intensity standpoint. It almost felt like James Young was, like, too cool for school. And it just, like, he never really put it together. And he never really strung together those games where you're like, all right, I think they have something here. There was, like, a game here or there where he dropped, like, you know, 15 out of nowhere. And that would be the end of it. Like, it, was, and it wasn't, wasn't anything on the defensive end to hang your hat on. It just was all, a pick that was based purely on, like, it was one of those guys that Danny Ainge thought was, like, you know, High risk, high reward, and and the risk ended up sort of way overtaking the reward. Yeah, well, I mean, remember he was in like a car accident shortly before the draft, which is why he was he slipped down to seventeen uh, for the Celtics to draft him, and so he didn't go through the the kind of physical testing before the draft that you normally would take a prospect through. Uh, so for the Celtics and a lot of teams, you were basing a lot of your evaluation on what he did during a year at Kentucky and how he was seemingly at his best in the tournament at Kentucky. And he was very good. I mean, he had one of the best dunks that year uh, in the tournament that really just caught a lot of people off guard. But mm-hmm. once he got, once yeah, he got to Boston, here's the thing. Once he got to Boston and they finally was able to, to physically play, they realized – this kid probably isn't as good as we thought he was. Uh, not as good a shooter. Ball, handle isn't all that great. Uh, defense is very lackluster. And I will say this. In the short time that Naismith has been around, um, I think there's a better vibe about his upside than there was with James Young. Because Naismith has had multiple flashes of good effort defensively and, and things like that. Uh, his shooting is the one thing we – yeah, his shooting is the one thing that we have been, you know, very disappointed in because that was supposed to be his trademark. But if he's showing signs of being able to figure out some of those other things, uh, he's someone that I definitely see getting better over time. Whereas James Young, uh, you just never saw progress with his game. 
do we see and there is a long way to go with most of these guys, but do we see any of the young guys on this roster ultimately contributing or mattering down the line? It, it's a very real Pritchard. possibility that most of these Pritchard. guys just won't work out. Pritchard, Pritchard. yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's the backup point guard for sure, and he's done it already, so he's already proven I mean, he can do that. He, I mean, he, he's like a he's like a, a better version of McConnell. Yeah, he can really shoot. Too. Yeah, I'm still I'm I'm impressed by his shot. Sparky. again and again. Yeah. he's been forty percent all year long. Yeah, I think John still thinks Romeo has um, all NBA potential, so that could be a player that that. I might think be Romeo can be. Um, more productive offensively. He's clearly. I I hate throwing around the term. I just don't know how he's going to do it here. Maybe somewhere I, else. Like I said, there's a there's a place for guys who are just kind of slashers. And there's you know what? I mean I understand everybody wants to sit in the corner and knock down threes. He only has to get competent at that. You know you have to get the third the bet. What's the Mendoza line here for everybody is what like thirty five percent. You get to thirty five percent, that means you can take it from time to time. And if you can tick up a little bit from there, then you're playable, or at least you you can you're, you're okay there. Um, so he just that's not that's not. I don't think he's ever going to shoot 42% from three. But I think, like I said, is he should be able to beat guys off the dribble, take it to the basket, put pressure on defenses. You want to – we keep talking about get inside the paint, get inside, kick it out. This, 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 puts, this stresses a defense. I think that's a valuable asset. I think that's where – I mean, and that's who, he, that's who he was in high school and college. He's a guy who was a finisher. I think he can do that. But I, he is legit bordering – on elite defensively already, I mean, he's a really good defender. He keeps guys in front of him. He's super active, and even if he does get beat, he has a he can really catch up, you know. Um, so the few times he does get crossed over, he comes out a little flat-footed on a closeout. He catches up quick. Um, so I like everything I see from his defense right now. And you're right that the swagger you the swagger that comes off of you when you play defense like that does carry over eventually. When the game slows down a, a, a bit, I think the offense will come. As far as the Neesmith, I, I'm pretty, like I said, I'm already pretty worried. You know, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I think we all are. Uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty legit concerned. I will say that I've probably never been more angry than I was the three, the three years I had to listen at NBC to all of the Celtics, you know, uh, green teamers in the building continue to insist that James Young was eventually going to get it. When it was, when, yeah, it, when was, it, was re- it was that bad, huh, John? Because you talk about this sometimes. A lot. <laughs> sometimes you can tell. I, it was, and I felt like Young. I, that would have I felt me like crazy. Young was a guy you could tell with, yeah. but not nonstop. It was like, oh, here he comes. He's gonna be good this year. I was like, oh my god. You do, you do <laughs> see that with Neesmith. It's like if you if your shooter is not gonna hit threes, if you're not quite a dribbler, if you're not an impact defender necessarily. And all you're going to be doing is running around crazy hustling. And you know, Young never did that. So it's good to see Neesmith at least doing that and getting the consistent run again and again. Young never got minutes at all. I, like, there were only right. spot moments. Well, you remember when, when, he remember, when he, remember when he came down to him and RJ Hunter to make the final spot? It was, oh, the showdown. Who's going to get the final spot on the Celtics <laughs> team? I'm like, look, they both don't belong in the NBA, but why not just, heck, roll the dice with RJ, give him some open looks, and maybe he could, he could blossom. I mean, That's a, he was... He was my choice, even though he technically wasn't the one with the higher ceiling. But it was like, hey, that, like, get his reps in. You know, let's see what Brad could do with him out of the well, two. I mean, like, like to your point, Bobby, at, at least he, at least he like was a no shooter. Other. Like, at least he that, was a shooter. 
that's the September uh, <laughs> tradition that Celtics writers love more than any other, the battle for the 15th spot. <laughs> Oh, well, kidding, it is man? funny. My, call, my calling for EEI was lit for that, man. EEI.com. <laughs> James Young James Young played more minutes his rookie year than any subsequent year. Yeah. Is that is is that surprising to anyone? A little bit. Yeah, that? a little bit. James James Young played more his rookie year than any other year of his very short NBA career. Um which was that he injuries, did though? Um, no, I think I think, they, was, I think they just drafted most, a guy named Jalen Brown, right? Yeah, it was mostly <laughs> most. It was mostly yeah. sucking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I mean, mostly I, just bad, bad at basketball. Um, so I think, but yeah, he another, couldn't do it. Yeah. Another difference between Brown and or and like maybe Nisbet and Bogut, like those guys, those guys know that they're going to get their court time by by playing defense and by doing the effort things. And I don't recall ever a moment where James Young was that type of player. But this is, this is what happens. You get your Robert Williams, your Pritchard, your, uh, the list is kind of short with this team. And then you get some of the, some of the other types here and we'll see which way Romeo sways. I still tend to agree with John that we haven't seen enough there. Neesmith we've seen quite a bit of so far in his first year, at least compared to what we saw at Romeo last year. But you always give that guy a year or two. Now, Grant, Carson, uh, those kind of guys there, I think we just we, – we know what we have in them. Uh, so this, this, this just happens when you pick a ton, and that's part of the frustration of picking too much. Uh, you're going to end up with a bunch of guys who just don't do anything for you instead of maximizing those picks before people figure out what they are. Uh, let's welcome in Brady. What's up, Brady? Hey, how's it going, guys? How are you? Hey, uh, yeah, good. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I just thought tonight um, I'm not going to overreact too much because uh, we were missing uh, Rob uh, and Forney and Smart, but I thought they just kind of looked unmotivated tonight at times, to be honest. Um, like they just were missing the energy that Rob or Smart could have provided. And I just thought they, they looked just really unmotivated at times, like just not communicating on defense at all and really just not playing engaged together at times. And I also would have liked to see Jalen got the ball more like he was going off in the first quarter. And all of a sudden, like guys kind of just want to start scoring on their own, it seemed like, and not get Jalen the ball when he was having a great game. So I just thought there were opportunities to win this game. But obviously, without the the key guys, some key guys, it was hard to do tonight. Uh, Thanks, Brady. What did you guys think? Josue, you were there. Did they look unmotivated to you? Honestly, they didn't outside of that third quarter. I mean, obviously, the way the fourth started, you're like, oh, okay, here we go. Here, here comes. But uh, they just kept battling. I mean, they never really got completely out of that hole. And even when they did, uh, you know, whether it was uh, Nicola or Col- what, Kobe hit a shot down the stretch. <laughs> like, there was people that. Yeah, on like, the tight steel. The tight steel, right. Like, I just, it looked like they were more beside themselves, but then all of a sudden they look up and say, like, oh, wait, there's only two minutes left in this one. And you're, you're essentially two stops away. Even though Tremont Waters' layup gave you another shot, they still couldn't string together one more uh, crucial stop. I, I hated the 18 to 18 second quarter where Chicago's just laying there ready to die and the Celtics were just skating along with them. And that's when they started getting into some of those bench units that were just brutal that night. And that set the tone for when it ended up being a close game the rest of the way. It was tough to see them go down by seven a couple times in that second half the way they did because it frankly should have just been like possession for possession down the stretch here at worst. And instead they were trying to make up a ton of possessions with like – 
minute and a half left to go. So I definitely feel like they were a little slow tonight, whether that was because they didn't have the offensive rhythm for all the absences that were there, uh, or they just didn't have a ton of faith in themselves in this one once those guys went down. It is always tough. It's a fine line between this isn't good enough and the belief isn't there to make it happen with some of these other guys because we've seen it this year. When guys go out of the lineup, there is that kind of defeated look that you start to see across the board, especially on offense. But Brown, starting 6-6, six six, 10-15 in the game, we already talked about him, but he came ready to win. He came ready to set a tone early, and the downside is that he isn't always in a position to carry that forward on the ball. Yeah, well, I mean, let's not forget that they opened the game with nine straight points at a 9-0 lead, and so they it, it wasn't as if they came out flat or anything. They were getting it done early on. They just couldn't sustain that momentum that they established from the, from the very beginning of the game, and a lot of that has to do with the fact, again, and we've, we've talked about this already, but the fact is so many of their core guys weren't mm-hmm. available that you can only – there's a reason why <laughs> certain guys are backups in the league. Uh they can give you something from time to time. They can give you something in spurts. But more often than not, they don't have the ability to sustain a high level of play over the length of, of a game, certainly over long stretches. And I thought that was part of the problem. They were able to get off to a good start. And then once you started mixing and matching your, your, your players and your lineups, they just weren't able to keep that momentum going forward. You saw breakdowns defensively. You saw poor shot selection offensively. You saw the ball starting to stick a little bit more. Guys taking bad shots. Guys passing up great shots to just be in, in just uh, ball movement as opposed to ball making mode. Uh, and it added up to a close loss. And and we've again we've, we've talked about this before. If Jason Tatum has a slightly below average game, they win this by five. Um, he had really one of his worst shooting games of the season, and yet there they were really in the game literally until the very last minute of play. Yep. Yeah, no doubt about it. I want to tell everybody again, uh, just to remind you, um, if you do want to chat, um, request to speak. I'll put you up there. Uh, just make sure you stay muted uh, until we uh, until we get to you. Uh, and I promise we will. We'll try to get to as many of you as possible before we wrap it up tonight. Um, I do. I have. Uh, I believe Julian in the room. Julian, what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? What's happening? Hey, what's, what's up, up? What's up? So, Jules? Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys a question about uh, the Celtics drafting. So it like, sucks. Next. Yeah. So my question is: I've been, you know, with the with the NFL draft coming up, I've been reading a lot about how. You know, people say the Patriots have been looking for the wrong things in drafts, and that's why they've busted on a lot of picks. Do you think we could say the same thing for Danny? Because if you think back to, like, our last four first-round picks, it's Grant, it's Neesmith, it's all these wasted picks that are actually, you know, valuable assets. Do you think they're just looking for the wrong thing, or is it just bad luck? That's a good question. Well... I, I think the, the issue is when you're looking at draft picks, I, I often go by not so much who they draft, but where they're drafting to determine if it was good or not. And when you're picking pretty much anywhere from like end of the lottery down, it's a crapshoot. Um, and they've crapped out, I think, multiple times. When you look at the, the Yabu Shelleys of the world, you look at Grant Williams, you look at you know some of the other guys that they've taken pat in the mid-teens downward. Um, and that's that's really bad for a team 
that wins a lot of games and because of that are going to be picking in the teens and 20s. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily um, that they, they're just getting – to me, the, the issue is they have to just do a better job of hitting on guys because what's happening, they're getting guys who on paper are natural fits, but they're not – for whatever reason, those guys aren't getting it done once the lights go on and the ball's thrown up. Um, and to me, again, when you look at whether a guy is a good fit or not for a team, I look at who could they have had it instead. Like when you look at Naismith, for example, who, again, was considered the top shooter in the draft. Then you look at a guy like Sadiq Bey, who was similar position, similar Scott's size, similar skill set, who has had a much better rookie season. who was taken like three spots later. Uh, that's when you look and you kind of you play the what if game. Um, but for most of the guys, like, like for example, when Grant Williams was drafted, I'm not sure if there was anyone they could have taken that went afterward that was appreciably better. Um, that you At that time, you could just say, yep, they screwed this one up. They should have taken this guy. Because um, when I look back at that, 20, uh, was that 2019 draft, you know, probably the one guy maybe they could have could have – look to take is maybe Jordan Poole, who's a wing of Golden State, who's done some good things. But as far as bigs, um, not really. Bruno Fernando in the second round, maybe. Uh, Daniel Gaffer no, from, from Arkansas. So it, it, you, start, it become, you start splitting hairs at that point. Um, yeah. I so. think the trickiest thing that we've seen the last two years, and frankly, Danny had a handful of good drafts before that because he was picking guys for the future. Robert Williams, who they knew wasn't going to impact right away, and they were fine with that. Roger, same thing. Jalen Brown his first year. They drafted him knowing he wasn't going to have much of any role that first year, and him not having the best rookie year didn't end up being that big of a deal. But if you imagine the Celtics having no depth whatsoever in those years, no veterans off the bench, and all of a sudden Roger, Rob, Brown are playing 25 minutes their rookie years, that would have been a different thing entirely. So the construction of a roster plays into how the draft pan out as well. Grant, Romeo, Neesmith, these guys shouldn't be playing 20, 25 minutes a game, but that's what they've had to do this year because of other mistakes that the team has made. And they have largely said, since we don't want to pay the luxury tax, we're going to build our depth through rookies. And that just never pans out well. That's why teams that don't spend and are trying to build through the draft don't end up doing very well. So the Celtics have the veteran talent on the top end, and their bench essentially looks like the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Detroit Pistons, and that's why they end up looking like those teams when they have to count on those guys. Bob, do you think sometimes... No, I was just going to say, so, I mean, for me, the the drafting, it's, it's like, it's hard because on one hand, I feel like they've done well with the picks at the top, like, obviously, like, with Smart, Tatum, Brown, like, those were hits. And you can say, oh, well, you, you know, it's easy to hit when you're drafting, you know, at the top, but not always. I mean, can you imagine if Danny drafted Markel Fultz? I mean, you know, he did force, he did have the foresight to, to see that, that Jason Tatum or was. Or Josh Jackson. Exactly. <laughs> Josh Jackson. Exactly. A guy who didn't even want to freaking work out for the Celtics. So, on one hand, Danny absolutely hits those picks that you really, 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 really do need to hit. I mean, if you completely whiff on one of those picks like that, that's enough to really send your your team into a tailspin. But where he has missed is those mid to late rounds. And yeah, he hit with Rozier. Looks like he hit with Rob Williams. But 
there's so many more that he hasn't hit. And I mean, you could just, if you, you could just, you know, it, it's a nice little exercise, you know, drive you crazy. Just pick a year in the last 10, pick a year and just, and just run through the draft. And you'll see that they, that they did miss on yeah. a lot of those Even, mid to late round. I know, but that's, again, that's what we were saying on the show, Jimmy. That, I know, I, but, but some teams, but yeah, but you can't all, I understand but what you're that, saying. Like it's it's a crapshoot, but but like when you see right people time. hitting, right. it, when you see people hitting, it's um it's one team hits on one of them, and then another team hits on another. There's not a lot of teams out there that are mining consistently, are consistently hitting right. those picks. Most of them right. are getting this caliber of guy. Like that's what I'm gonna say. In a couple of years, we're not gonna know the names of. 20 guys taken in this draft, you know, like that, that's just right. how it goes. They're, they're really forgettable. So and that's, I am willing, that's a I'm willing to excuse too. the, I'm willing to excuse the 14, 15, 16 misses, but your point is excellent. When you mess up, like if they didn't take Jalen Brown and took right. Dragon, Dragon Bender, who went for Josh Jackson, yeah. that's, but I mean, that's, that's free. Look, you missed out on Simmons and Ingram. We took, took Jalen Brown and everyone was mad because they wanted yeah. to take Chris Dunn or they wanted to take Bender or what a right. freaking disaster. Well, they wanted to trade though. No, they wanted well, to they, trade, John. That's what I know. They, wanted, well, they, they wanted, wanted Jimmy trade, Butler in a trade or whoever, you know, another They wanted all-star. a trade or they wanted Chris Dunn because <laughs> people were rumored to want him in a trade. But imagine if Danny rolled the dice and thought Bender was his guy. Oh my oh. God! You're doomed. You know, like you miss yeah. you miss that no, badly on that. I think the only person, the only decent replacement would have been would yeah. have been Jamal Murray. That's so that's the thing is, like, so I will. The, what I what I guess I'll say, Jimmy, is it, it, you would rather Tatum and Brown there, as you pointed out, versus anything you could have drafted at fifty at fourteen each of the last two years. You know what right. I mean? You, you, Hitting, you, yeah, like he had to hit, and he did. Hitting I mean, I those say, was like, so much more important than the that, ones that you're really only going to hit probably one out of four or one out of three yeah. of them, you know? They that could also make right, the yeah. decision at some point, though, that we've made our hits. Exactly. But see, that's the thing, Bobby. Veterans. People want to say yeah, that. Yeah, make some borderline ad- additions here. And at the 2019 deadline, at the 2020 deadline, they did nothing. When they that's, had picks in their pocket, we always improved those teams. And we, I, th- I don't think there's anybody here who doesn't agree that that's the biggest failing of Danny isn't missing. I, I will excuse missing on those picks. It'd be great if you hit and, 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 and that's why you take a few swings at it, but not consolidating picks to move up to, to, a, to get a player you really wanted or yeah. to move out to get an established player, I think was definitely the, the problem. Cause again, that yeah. year, the year you took Grant, the three guys with Grant, I, I mean, that that's a tough one, you know, yeah. like, because they they realistically had like seven picks to work with in that draft, and who knows? Maybe they did offer Miami seven first for Hero. I'm sure we probably would have heard about it, but yeah. they could have just said no. Because teams, if you're in the lottery and you find a guy you love, like Miami probably did with Hero, there's probably no amount of picks that someone could offer you to get you off that spot. I mean, which was the one? It's the Winslow draft, right? What was the what was it? Yeah. What was the story there, Sherrod? How many picks did they offer to try to move up two spots or three spots and couldn't get there? At least four. Right. You know, and, and that's and, and <laughs> you know, and, and and again, the reason why Michael Jordan and the Hornets did not want to budge off that pick was because they were infatuated with Frank. The Frank Kaminsky. Kaminsky, right? They wanted Kaminsky so bad they wouldn't do it. And the Celtics are trying to get yeah. up to nine or whatever to get Winslow, right? Well, well this and, was, and the, that the was all part, part of the plan. They, the sad part is they probably could have gotten those picks 
and got Kaminsky in the, in the Celtics slot. Yeah. Mm, mm. Uh, let's bring in. Let's let's, I mean, let's bring in. Oh, I'm sorry. Real quick, though. Finish your thought. Finish. Your... No, I just wanted to finish up. Like like the Jalen Brown draft. I mean, obviously, like they nailed the Jalen Brown pick, but they had so many other picks that draft, and they just whiffed on like every single one. That was Yabuselli at sixteen, and I know like it's, it's easy. That, to that was that was Zizich at twenty three. Yabuselli at sixteen. Yeah, Deonta Davis at thirty one. Um, I mean, you can. I mean, they missed out on Caris Levert. Who went? Who went? Uh, twenty. Um, you had Malcolm Brogdon went thirty six. You had Dejounte Murray went twenty nine. And these are all guys that like they played in college. Like they had, you know, like they weren't just like random dudes. So it's like sometimes Danny like tries to get too cute. Be- like, Beasley was in there too. Like you like don't overthink it. Like you go with a guy like Gershon Yabuselli just based on like folklore. And when you have a guy like Karis Levert who played at Michigan, like you can't tell me. Scouts aren't aren't telling you that like Levert that, that goes the other coach. way too though because people say that about Porzingis and that's, Giannis and that's, that's Giannis yeah. right there like and again the, you know I, of course, of, no it is because Giannis was this great unknown lengthy athletic guy from Greece that probably did, it's, that it's didn't so have hard. a refined game any line Giannis of was get that, you killed like if you say yeah, we're so only for, taking young guys. You miss yeah. out on a Pritchard. For every say, Giannis, there's like five, there's like ten Jerome Moisos. But like you're, you're right though. Sometimes I don't. I actually don't go against that out of the box home run pick because of that reason. Because like fine, you Jimmy, have you to pluck, know more though. You pluck, but Jimmy, you pluck three names from that draft that are. And I, there's an argument Pascal, both sides. Pascal went 27. I mean, there's a there's a and again, it's I'm I'm not saying that. How can you miss on all but the stars? That were what I'm saying there, is but. there's three, four guys taken after they made those picks that were useful or very good NBA players. But how many teams also drafted a, a bum from, from, from picks right. 10 and on, 12 and on? You know, so many. So right. many teams whiffed as high as six or seven or eight in that draft, as high as four with Bender. So, like, mm-hmm. there was probably 20 swings and misses in the first round. And so, like, you can't hit them all, um, you know, and you, you hit such a home run with Jalen Brown in a draft that nobody thought there was any players there beyond two. You know, I think that makes up for it uh, with the yeah. But like yeah. I said, I'm always willing – I'm, I'm more willing to excuse those middle ones. Right, no, I, but you're, just, the different. But again, the difference between being the Milwaukee Bucks and not is one of those guys turning into Giannis, right? Yeah, <laughs> which is which is crazy. I mean that that that's that's the extreme though. I mean Giannis is obviously an MVP level type. But guy. Donovan Mitchell, what what was he? Thirteen? Yeah, I mean there there are Sam out of bio went fourteen, I think. So I mean, like, there's no there. sig- there's no signifier though. You can rule out international guys because they're unknowns or they don't play great competition or you could roll out older guys in these drafts because the potential is gone or younger guys because they're not experienced enough like none of these tropes hold across the board there are guys from all kinds of different backgrounds who hit and guys who from those backgrounds that hit that miss so like this is why drafting so hard you can't go off a strategy or a trend or anything like that some yeah. guys just make it. Some don't. There's a million different reasons why. I mean, I think the one thing that Danny's held firm on that actually has worked for him is going after those highly touted high school guys who maybe had some injuries, maybe had some things happen in college that 
uh, had affected their draft stock, and that more often than not has worked for them. Someone Bob, who wasn't Bobby, the greatest you got some feedback. World, yeah, but it was a solid one. And then uh, you know you think of Romeo recently, Rob who fell in the draft. He has tried to go for value in those spots, and I think that is something that's worked. Yeah, um, let's welcome in uh, Jake. What's up, Jake? What's up, guys? I like the Danny chatter. Um, I thought it was uh, I thought it was kind of poetic justice. He was on the broadcast tonight, especially with the with the top like four of the six guys out, and he's got to watch his projects run up and down the court for two hours. I thought that was Yo, kind that's of a sweet great poetic call. justice. You know what? Too. You know what? Else too, Jake. This isn't the first time this happened, and like before, <laughs> it was like, oh, whatever. You know, it's a rebuilding team, but now it's like you're in the hot seat, Danny, <laughs> and you're there all night long. Yeah, that's he fun. definitely he definitely agreed to the broadcast coming off a six game win streak, not realizing he was going to have to <laughs> comment on Tremont Waters the entire night. So I so I enjoyed that. He was also shocked when Tremont Waters was in the game, which I thought was. Did he say something? Yeah, this is the one time I didn't watch the broadcast. Yeah, he, I, David, I missed it. <laughs> He was like, oh, wow, I did, not, I did not expect Tremont to be in the game. There he is. Uh, <laughs> He's still in there. Oh, look at that. Yeah. It's uh, two minutes left. He's still playing. That's funny. Yeah. I like That's your guys, uh, your, your, uh, your chatter on the, on the draft and agree. You know, it's tough to revisionist history. Oh, they should have picked so-and-so. I think personally as a fan, it's, you know, my biggest pain is not making the finals last year with that group. Um, and you look at it at the trade deadline last year, you know, Bobby might know better, but some of the guys you might have been able to get for that Memphis pick on a thin team, you have Gordon go down and all of a sudden, you know, your bench is just really diminished. Um, so that's kind of my one thing I look back and you're like, oh, this thing turned into Neesmith and maybe that could have put you over the top in that Miami series. Yeah, it's um, again, I think with these, their whole you can hit a home run and when you do, it is franchise altering, but most people are just kind of, you know, stuck in the middle with these picks. This is why NBA mediocrity is the worst thing, right? You know, Seriously. like yeah. you get your, if you're picking 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 every year, you know, you're just outside the lottery and in that zone. And I know these were both technically lottery picks at 14, but that range pretty much that, you know, you know, 13, 12 to 18, 13, to 18, anything outside the top 10, you're, it's such a, it's such a crapshoot. But they are there. They are there. They are there. It is a crapshoot. But you just said it, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo. I mean, we know they hit on Rozier. It's it's not automatic. Nothing even close no. to it. But like you said, when the difference between like being a like a second round exit and an like an Eastern Conference sort of like finals type team is sometimes just that one that one guy that you hit on in the middle where like you were already like on the fringe of being a really good team and you're just like one player away well boom there he is you know or you got a freaking yabo because you want to swing for the fences and now he just now you have a huge void well but here's the thing though i mean when you're the celtics and you draft the way they do you're going to have a ton of misses because you actually use a ton of picks i mean think about this for a second they've had at least four players that they've drafted in five of the last six years that's a ton of players. And obviously for some of those players, they've drafted them for other teams. But you have taken way more cuts at the damn at, at this than most teams do. And so you're going to have more misses. But to me, the thing that bothers me is that when they miss, they really, really, really miss. I mean, you look at like you look at the two 
You look at the two, 2019 draft. They, had, they drafted four players, okay? Romeo Langford, Matisse Thibel, who's in Philly, Grant Williams, and Trayvon Waters. Now, one of those guys you can look at and say is a, a definitive rotation guy. You go back to 2017 when they took Tatum with the number three pick. You drafted Shimmy Ojale. They hit on that, I think. Kadeem Allen, not so much. Jabari Bird, definitely not. Then you go back to Jalen's draft class, and that was just an absolute cluster you-know-what. I mean, like, literally, oh. they drafted, I think, seven or eight guys that year, and Jalen is literally the only one they hit on. That's it. Abdul Nader, Ben Bentle, Demetrius Jackson, Deontay Davis. Oh, that got Ben Bentle. <laughs> Gershon Yabusele. Bums. I mean, they, they absolutely – that was a horrible draft that, where they had eight cracks at it, and they hit one. That's you. You got to be better than that. I'm saying those Sully, class Sully and Fab, Sully and Fab Mello. Again, these are low picks, though. You're in the 20s at this point, you know. Yeah, but you uh, know what, John? Here's the thing: San Antonio is in the low 20s all the time, and yet they can find guys like Dejounte Murray. They can find guys like Kyle Anderson. They Kyle find Johnson. guys that I'm saying they find yeah. guys. It happens. So it, yeah, but that, I think San it, Antonio is one of the few teams that that has. San Antonio is one of the few teams that's done it consistently, and that dates back to their championship years. And you're right. right. That's the difference between a championship team and not because you, it's hard to get better organically, you know, if you're a team there that's got those guys, unless you add somebody. Again, I keep going back to this. This is why I see the value in the draft picks. It is not because I want more Neesmiths and Romeos, but if you get Donovan Mitchell there, you are literally – a championship team. Like it's like, and there's no other way to get Donovan Mitchell except there, you know, like I'm not saying you will, right. you just have, you, don't get him for you have, 10 years. yes, it is. You have zero chance of getting him out outside of the draft and you have a 10, 15%, 20% chance of getting them at the 15, 16 for whatever spot that you're drafting. And that, and then you have them for seven years minimum. Like that's a big deal. That's why you can't throw away draft picks. That, not to mention that you don't know where you're going to fall. And if your team Tatum demands a trade, Jalen doesn't. And all of a sudden, you've given away any chance of rebuilding. You're yeah. In you deep can shit. get stuck in a so middle like, ground too, though, where you don't do enough and you don't make you can, this team a championship. But that's why people don't want to give up seven draft picks. Is each year is a chance. You know, like as as Jimmy points out. It, there's three, four guys in there that can literally. It's a chance, but it's slim. It is. I mean, I, I'm kind of riding both sides here. Is I won't hang. I, I'm not going to. I'm not tearing Danny down for missing on these. But that's why you do have to take a few swings because well, if you do, you're hoping to hit something that is at the very least a Brogdon, is like- a Brogdon level player. Like, what if you hit Brogdon? You know, like that's big. They'd be a well, totally dude, different team now. They had. Three or four chances to draft Brogdon that year. That's what I mean. It's like, like Sherrod. So said, you're saying Sherrod, yeah. When they miss, they really, really freaking miss. They don't even drafting role players. Right. They're I think that happens with a lot players. of teams, though. Especially with guards, man. So many guards. So many yeah, that's, miss guys. that's what we don't feel as Celtics people. Like, there's probably a story like this for every team that feels the exact same way. And those teams don't have Tatum and Brown. Yeah, so <laughs> right, right. Those teams are like, what are you guys what I'm, what I'm, Right. What I'm curious to see is how things play out for Oklahoma City Thunder, who've got like a million picks over the, like the next. Seven oh my years. God, they have 34. If, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, we can't keep. I mean, the, the way that they're 
they're piling up picks the same way the Celtics did for a number of years, and I'm curious to see over the next three, four, five years, how does that pan out for them? They're screwed. Because, well, they're, they're, I tell you what they're going to – the plan is to use some of those picks to get real players. Though it may be, but, but again, they have to give them away for cents on the dollar because – Every team knows you can't draft 34 players in five years. So it's going to – what are you going to do here? You're going to be – as Bobby, Bobby was saying it before, they're going to literally have to package four picks at a time to get a player because they, they can't use them all, you know? They, they absolutely cannot draft all these people. The, the they, good thing about them – They need three a, franchises. They have Rockets picks, so those are going to be – Four, if they get lucky this year, their own pick is top ten. So those are real deal picks. We're not talking about Celtics yeah. fourteen through twenty four ones here. Well, the Celtics had Memphis and Sacramento, which could have, should have, would have been better, and that also would have changed a lot. I mean, you had the worst friggin' luck with both of those. Like, yes, Danny missed with the two fourteen picks, but those both should have been better on those shitty franchises that just came out of you know that 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 flashed for a friggin' year and then went back in the tank the next year. It was just really bad luck there. Uh, we're going to bring in Soapy. Um, are you there, buddy? Yeah, what's up, fellas? How we doing? How you doing? How are you, bro? Hey, what's up, Soapy? Not too much, not too much. Um, two questions. I'm sure you guys have touched on a part of this, but I joined late. So number one, what do you guys think of having a separate camera just for Grant Williams? Because I think... <laughs> I think that would be interesting. Um, I'd watch it. Like I don't know if you guys have seen on TNT. Like that, I think they do. Like a yeah, a Grant cam would be great. And number two, I don't know if anyone's mentioned this, but did you guys catch when um, I think it was Thaddeus Young that drew? No, he he didn't draw a foul on Grant. Instead, he basically like bowled through him on the post. Grant flopped. The the play came down the other way, and Scow was like, "Yeah, Danny, what'd you think of that play?" And Danny was like, "Well." Daddy's uh, son is a aggressive offensive player, and that was clearly a flop. And then <laughs> I think the Celtics missed the layup, came back down. Grant gets a uh, teed up because I think he was still like complaining about the call. So yeah, it was a it was a it was another solid um, Shackton night from him. Yeah. Uh, again, we talked about this. Thanks, Sophie. We talked about this really early in the uh, in the show with it was just me and Sherrod. It's Guys, it is it is stunning the level of Grant hatred, and I know I've been I've I've probably had more Grant rants than anybody on the show. I have, Grant rants, I like that. Yeah. However, you have a segment called Grant rant. I am now legitimately starting to feel bad because I feel like he's a target even when he doesn't deserve to be. Yeah, I mean, Soapy makes a good point. Grant Cam would be would be interesting. I think it would just drive me up a wall. I don't I think I would just be angry every game, but it'd be pretty funny. Um but yeah, you're right. I think I think he's become low hanging fruit a little bit. Um and he's probably Bobby's gonna tell um, I'm I'm gonna talk a little bit longer, but Bobby's gonna jump on and tell us how Grant has been like the best player off the bench in the NBA over the last month. Uh, I know it. So right before he does that I just wanna say there was a couple stretches late in the game tonight where, where Grant really did suck. I mean, he, he there was the um, fast break. He, like, passed it to Jalen when he should have just went up with it, and that led to no points. And then I think he turned it over, like, shortly after that in the corner. Um, yeah, like, he did, actually. He turned it over, so he had the ball. 
He turned it over, and then the Bulls went back the other way. I can't remember if they scored or not, but it was just like back to back bad possessions. There. Yeah, when he when he had the turnover uh, where he tried to pass to Jalen, Danny commented on Grant probably should have shot that, uh, considering okay. that Jalen had like Vucevic basically in his face when right. he got the ball from Grant, <laughs> and I, it was you know it, it's 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 almost to the point now where to your point, Jimmy. You, you feel kind of bad for Grant. Um, yeah. He's kind of all this. Because uh, he, he, I think he's, I, I sincerely believe he is trying his best out there, but it's just not working. <laughs> it's just not working. Um, but I think the addition of Jabari Parker is going to alleviate some of the, the Grant minutes. And I think if he's closer to playing like 10 minutes a game, I think that's a good, good use of his time. Because for 10 minutes, I think he can give you some decent play. But when he's playing 20, 25 a game, I just don't think he can help you as much as, as uh, let's say, a Jabari Parker for 15 minutes uh, could help you. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what it comes down to. It's, it, I mean, it's the – Well, you're at the point where you got to try it. you got to try it, right? We've been saying they've tried something different all year. We've been telling Brad, why don't you just try this? So but he I is, think this was, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of like Danny's way of saying try uh, we, uh, Sherrod and I mentioned this early before you guys jumped on. It is, it is. We assume Jabari cuts into Grant, um, but it is amazing that we can't get a true sense of what they actually want to do with this roster um, it, as it's currently constituted because they can't get everybody on the court at the same time. And it could happen by the end of this week. So I, I really am interested to see how they do it, how they run the rotations, what type of minutes people get, uh, who's closing games. It's really going to be fascinating because you should theoretically have uh, Fournier and Rob back soon. Kemba and, Kemba and Smart coming off. Thursday. Yeah, Kemba and Smart. Um, you know, Corny, Forny, Fournier, Cornier, Cornette, Fournette. Um, <laughs> Fournier is... <laughs> it's freaking, we, we're just going to jumble that one. I did that last year. game. I said Fournier. I know, corny it, corny it. Uh, he's out of the quarantine. He should hopefully be back soon. Um, so I, I, I want to see it. Let's see what they got, right? Let's see it for once, for even if it's 10 games, 12 games to close the, close the season. You know? all, I said, all I said about Grant yesterday or two days ago whenever we last did our show is that he doesn't stink. Like, you can't, you can't reach top That's 10 great. for – for half a month in frost minus and you can throw out all these caveats oh he's playing a lot with tatum he's mixing in the lineups that are doing really well well if he's out there and those lineups are doing really well then he can factor into a lineup that does really well i'm not taking that to town and saying grant's amazing but i do think he fits into some of these lineups well he's hit his threes this year and you'd have to take him for what he is they never drafted him to be an amazing complimentary piece to these guys. They drafted him as a defensive role guy who can bang down low, play some four and five, and that's basically what they have. In I him. know, but there's like probably a thousand. Like what I mean is like it's not that. It's that I I I do think he's basically a replacement level player. Which sure. is if he if he's, he went to if guy. he went to I'm saying is if he went away someone else would fill those minutes and probably have the same level of success. So maybe the hatred isn't warranted because he's not killing you, but he's also not doing really enough. To, what's, what's he made? To, to, like $3 million I, think, I'm I still think the hatred has a lot. He's not doing enough to merit all of the talk 
you know, he's, he's not, probably producing for what his salary's worth. Two, three. It's million not bucks. versus a salary. What I'm saying is yeah, he's not doing not enough that. for people to care. Like he's not bad enough for people to hate him, and he's not good enough oh, to he, ever to really ever people, talk about his contributions. People will make the case he is though. They do. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with what we saw last year. I mean, I think everyone assumed that he would make he was a, better a, last a, year. a leap. Yeah, he was yeah. better last year. So it's like, wait, wait, why are you the same? Or why does it look like you even took a step backwards? I mean, granted, ev- everyone is different in, in, in these challenges, you know, with COVID and everything. But, I mean, do you blame Celtics fans? Was it 10, 12, 13 games left in the season? And they, they still haven't really seen that improvement or at least mimic what we saw last year, you know, from Grant? Yeah. Well, I think no, that's where uh, a lot of the frustration comes well, from. Instead of Grant, it's Tristan playing that role that Grant was in last year. But Grant is, again, individual stats down across the board um, in, right. in almost everything. But you know, Bobby cites team stats of like he's been working with this unit and their defensive rating in the last eight, nine games has been – You like Bobby, you like the word elite, so we're going to say elite. Um, yeah, if you if you think one eleven's the average for defensive rain this year, and him and Thompson have been post hundred, that's pretty damn yeah. good. Pretty I'll damn elite. Sherrod's my grand take. Ahead, my Jim. grand take is this: he has far. We talk about him way too much for the for the effect he has in the game, positively or negatively. Well, that, that's that because he thing. plays way more than he should. On the yes, roster. that's the problem. That's now my we can problem. Agree on. That it's it's he's a he's a twelve minute guy playing twenty four minutes and that's that's I think people are people are angry because they're like I just don't want to see this much of Grant it's less what he does or doesn't do they're like I'm just tired of this guy you just wish he you wish he were someone else but again you look up and down that <laughs> John's bench, like why like, are you someone's got to <laughs> no I was gonna say John's like why are you like this Grant why well, why, why, why are you what, the way that you are what makes you the way that you are. <laughs> So that is why I do like the Jabari Parker thing because it's them possibly saying, and I don't think this is necessarily true, but that could be the outcome of this, that Jabari plays well, fits well, and ultimately does replace Grant in the rotation into next season. That's I don't think anyone would be stunned if that ends up happening. I think for now everybody's kind of on an even plane, but so far Jabari's got two good games in a row and he can build off that and claim that spot because realistically – there only is one wing spot if the whole team's healthy for Jabari, Semi, Grant, Romeo to claim. It's going to be cut way down come playoff time. I would be in favor of um, of when everyone else comes back, um, putting Jabari on a two-week regimen to see if we can uh, you know, shed about seven to ten pounds heading into the playoffs. But that's just my personal opinion because – uh, I I don't know how he's gonna. Play. I I don't know. I don't know how he's, he's a little gonna play. I don't know how he plays himself into shape uh, with no no practices and no whatever. Uh, Sherrod's the voice of reason on all the Grant stuff. Um, you know, it, 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 end this end this conversation once and for all, Sherrod. Here's the thing about Grant. He and, and this is this is cliche sounding, but it, it's true. He is who he is. Accept it. He's not going to be anything other than a guy that is going to play some defense, he'll make some hustle plays, and every blue moon he'll knock down a shot or two. That's it. Uh, The best thing that could have happened to the Celtics is adding Jabari Parker because now you do have an alternative at that position. A different kind of player. I think a player that can make a greater impact. Uh, But, again, if you can get him down to 10 to 15 minutes a game, I'm real happy with that. 
because I think he can be really good in 10 to 15 minute spurts. It's that next 10 minutes that gets him and the Celtics in trouble. Uh, all right, can we move on? From, uh, can we move on from him, please? We can. We yeah, can I think on. you just buried him. <laughs> we were talking Yabu yeah. on the real show. I think this is better. Like I said, we got to no, but it, it's I, we talk about him because I I, I feel bad because I'm probably part of the reason we you know uh, you know that that you know he yes, gets his name gets brought up. So I, I feel bad because now I don't think I necessarily started it. I am just surprised. How early in this game, the first thing all of the chatters came in over the top with was uh, Grant killed us tonight. Grant sucks. You know, I, I mean, number one, number one comment by far tonight was was the was the Grant stuff. Uh, let's bring in Anas. What's up, buddy? What's going on, guys? How are how you, how you doing? How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, no Grant question. Don't worry. All right, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to touch on uh. Jalen Brown and kind of his it seems like he just disappeared from the offense again and he was so good in that first quarter it seemed like he couldn't miss a shot kind of like that Laker game do you guys think that's a Brad Stevens thing where he just kind of says hey Brown you're a scorer but Tatum's gonna be our guy he's gonna run all of our pick and rolls and even when Kemba's back we saw it in the bubble last year. Jalen just kind of camps in the corner for like minutes on minutes and he just disappears. Do you think that's a Jalen thing where Brad just doesn't trust Jalen being the lead ball handler for long periods of time? Or do you think, um, you know, it's a Brad thing where Brad just like kind of says, you know, we're just going to stick with Tatum and Kemba. Like it's it kind of seems to be an odd thing going on there. I think it's it's more on his teammates. Um, to when I, 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 it, it just blows my mind how he can have games where he's clearly your best option, and yet the four guys on the floor with him don't seem to understand they need to get it to their best option. Um, I, I don't, I, I can't put that on Brad because Brad, the way he runs that team, he leaves a lot of the on the fly decision making to the guys on the floor to find the best shot because they, in theory are the best ones at recognizing the right matchup, the right situations to attack, the right players to get the ball in their hands. But we're finding at least once or twice a week, you know, there will be a game where Jalen will have it going and he'll just not get the ball. And Jalen, again, he could be that guy. He could pull a Keyshawn Johnson and just say, give me the damn ball. But that's not how he plays. That's not he's. That's not how he operates. Um I think his teammates need to do a better job of making a consorted effort to get him the ball on these kind of nights when he's the only one that is really in a good flow and a good rhythm. And I, I don't think they do a good enough job of acknowledging that, recognizing that, and taking advantage of it. But, again, Shari, when we talked about this before these guys jumped in, so I want everybody else's opinion here. Because um, I, I know you're saying it's the players. Of course, they're the, they're the ones with the ball in their hands. But, again – you know, sometimes the coach or a parent or whomever just has to keep reminding like, hey, we're not doing that thing. So let's make sure we do it. Like you've got a whole game to say, guys, we're not getting we got to make sure Jalen gets the ball in his hands. Like and and then not getting the ball in Jalen's hands should be a reason why you would not play. You know, like I, I, Peyton, 
I don't know what you're doing out there, but I, I don't like the way you're running the offense. So either do what I tell you to do or someone else is going to go in there. Like coaches can do that, right? Like yeah. it is strange. It's strange to me to have the thing that you want to happen, not happen and not instantly. Like it, to me, it would be three straight possessions and the ball doesn't go where I want it to go. Time out. Guys, what are we doing here? You know, like we got to run the offense through these guys. You're like, That's the thing too. The timeouts have been late through those stretches. Yeah, I am I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed by it because it's just a – guys, don't forget the thing we talk about doing, which is making sure that the only two players who are really NBA-caliber players on the whole roster tonight get the ball in their hands. Like, it's not, it's not that challenging. They're, yeah, without, they're, without, they're without four of their best six players. This should be an obvious, guys. Every time down, get the ball right to Tatum, and then we're going to flow from there. Or get the ball right to Jalen, and we're going to flow from there. Every time. That would be a devastating way for them to lose in the playoffs too. If we we go two three games where we come out of it saying Jalen didn't get the ball enough, and that's yeah. the story of this. Well, you that happened ha- last. You can't playoff. have it. It happened, right? Yeah, it, it did. Happened, it, yeah, it happened a bunch of times. And I mean, I I think especially in a game like tonight, where like you guys said, they're they're without so many of their good players. It should be obvious that Tatum and Brown get the ball, and, and not only that, Brown maybe. Maybe a little, a little of it falls on Brown. He needs to be a little bit more demonstrative and assertive out there and demand the ball and ask for the ball. And... Joe Sway has talked about that a lot. Yeah, and I feel like he's Brown and yeah, you're right. Joe Sway has mentioned it a lot. He kind of just is. Yeah, like that's what I. That's what I saw. Prone to sitting in the corner and being like, "All right, I guess I'm not getting the ball anymore." Instead of like getting after it, and he, it's not due to lack of hustle. I mean, he's not no there comment. Right Right, exactly. What? He, tur- he and, turns and, into no comment Jalen, right. <laughs> and then, he's, then he becomes no comment. <laughs> right, 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 right. And it's not due to lack of hustle. I mean, he's out there on both ends of the court making plays, and I don't know why the ball doesn't find him, but sometimes you have to go find the ball. Get after it. Go get it. You know, go go demand the ball from Grant freaking Williams and, and Peyton Pritchard because those guys, Seven. They'll, they'll give it to you. I wonder how much. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much his, his shoulder played a role in because he was he was rubbing that shoulder pretty regularly. Yeah, I noticed that you know, too. Yeah, like it was like it was irritated. I'm I'm wondering if if there's there's uh, like a medical reason why or a health reason why Jalen uh, wasn't as aggressive Brad, or assertive down the stretch in the second half as he was. Brad did say he got that checked out after the game, so we'll right. see what comes out of that. Hmm. Oh boy. That would be the last thing this team needs. Wasn't wasn't Tristan? I think had some shoulder issues too. I think he he was rubbing his shoulder for like a whole fourth quarter. Well, Tristan went down when he actually posted up there, and he put in that little baby hook with the right, and then he went down. Looked like he banged his elbow, but I guess it was the shoulder, and he was kind of rotating it and kind of rubbing it. But that was early. That was early on. So that that kind of. That would have been bad. I mean, you you know, then well, then Bobby would have gotten his cornet wish, you know, and um. Yeah, we're, we're 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 actually gonna we're gonna need thirty minutes out of Cornette to like set Bobby straight. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say who 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 wins there? Who wins in that scenario? Well, what, when you do see a guy where when you see a guy playing too much is when you start to see like, oh God, we can't play this guy too much. But um, let's bring in uh, Ronnie. What's up, Ronnie? How's it going, guys? What's hey, up? Ronnie. Hey, what's up, Ronnie? Please don't kick me out. But can I just have one word with Bobby? Yeah, if, uh, we want you to Cornette vibe. Okay, I'm bringing up Mr. Tree Stump, okay? So, I just want to know what your thought process is when you see him waddle over to the scorer's table. I just want 
like your opinion on and like what do you feel when he walks over to the school? Do you mean Christian? Grant? Uh, number twelve. Grant. Number twelve. Oh, Grant! <laughs> I feel I feel pretty good when I see him come in the game. I just know he's gonna. Yeah, he's gonna move the ball a little bit. <laughs> he's gonna hit some open shots. He said, "Yeah." I, I yeah. Think there's a reliability it, it moves. There. It moves. You know what I yeah. see too? It moves a little. <laughs> yeah. It's the juice on. <laughs> I. <laughs> I hate that you went there, John. I hate you for that. I, hate I, saw this, I saw this against Golden State, too. I just got home, too. And I know man. they got scorched. They got scorched at moments against Golden State, but he was right there on those shots. And maybe that's a deficiency where he can't get the perfect contest on it, but he's in the right positions repeatedly. Now, tonight, I'm not going to overdo it with this grand stuff because all I'm really doing is pushing back against the notion that he stinks. There was a brutal turnover late tonight. Uh, and there were quite a few missed shots throughout the course of this game that hurt them badly. Six shots for Grant, three of those could have gone to Jalen. So I'm not going to by any means hinder the impact he had in this loss. This was not a good Grant game. But if you look at the big picture this month, I think it's been a solid body of work for a bench player, which is all they're expecting out of him. I, I just don't know, like, what would he have to do to make you guys happy? Play 10 to 15 minutes a game. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, that's going to require some <laughs> yep. other guys to get healthy. But that's it. That's all okay. it is. That, it's as simple as that. Again, all, all of these guys. I'm f- I, semi play, Semi's okay eight to ten minutes a game, you know, because he serves a role and a purpose at a time. He may come in and he give you, gives you what you need whenever you bring him in there. I mean, honestly, Romeo is probably only a ten-minute guy, too, at this point. But it's fine. He comes in and he plays defense. They have roles. You know, they have roles. Uh, but you're right. We're over when you're overusing these guys. It's no different than Semi. Why is everyone angry with Semi Ojale? Because they tried starting him, and you're bringing him in, and you're asking him to do things that's just not in his DNA to do, which is you know be a be a scorer off the bench, you know from the wing position and play 18, 20 minutes. Just not his thing. So you had to go away from it. And as soon as you had other options, you know you you went to them. I think Grant kind of fought. Grant and Semi are very similar in that regard. It's okay to have him in there some, but you just don't want him playing 20 minutes a night. I mean, think about this tonight. Semi played 19 minutes. Grant played about 23. Romeo played 21. Luke Cornett, your guy, played 10. No, no, no. All of those players should be playing well. <laughs> yeah, they're that's- at this, I mean, and, so, and, and but like, you, guess, again, you're yeah. missing four of your best six players. Exactly, the, the right. math doesn't work out. But Grant is getting those 20 minutes when more guys are healthy, and that's again, I think, yeah. what's driving people nuts. It's like because then those minutes come at the expense of someone else. And again, I'm going to keep going back to it for the, for the longest time. Grant had more minutes per game than Rob. And that's where I think people are like, what are we freaking doing here, man? You know, and, and average, it was 19 minutes versus 18 minutes up until Rob started starting. And so both guys are coming off the bench, but somehow Grant Williams. That was, play- that was kind of deceiving though. Cause they didn't have any wings and they had three centers. So that cut down on Rob. A little bit. Expanded yes. Grant. You're right. No doubt. No doubt. You're right. But again, Grant really is, a five, you know, and or and or a four. So if you're well, putting that's him, a big problem here. He cannot get minutes there. 
And I don't know. But I just. Don't but you're think playing him as a you're league. playing him as a big, you know, and you were playing a lot of double big lineups there, so it still wasn't really an excuse for why he was out. He was he was getting more minutes than Rob, and I think that's where it started to bubble up. It's like we're seeing a lot of this freaking guy, and we don't necessarily, especially when you had Tice still on the roster. What are we seeing so much Grant for? Yeah, ultimately Grant might have been a guy who they needed last year because of the depth issues at center. So he was right. able to play a lot of center last year and, you know, succeed yeah. in that role. Guys, and now that's gone and probably gone forever. forever. All right. Normally I don't do this because we let people talk about what they want to talk about. We have to we, – we've got to stop talking about Grant. Uh, I'll so, be back here. How is this possible? So, again, I know – Everyone's making Jimmy make noises so you can stop talking about Grant, please. <laughs> yeah. We reached that part of the show. It's like, it's like we're children. I love it. I love it. Yeah. We, we, so, we can't, we can't stop. We it's can't, like, yo, annoy, annoy everyone out of the conversation. Just make noises. Yeah, why, why, can't, why can't I quit you? Uh, we just can't. We can't quit, we can't quit Grant. Um, I, let's welcome in uh, Ben Douglas for a non-grant question. What's up, buddy? He's changing ben, his question. Like, it was going to be about Grant. He's cha- ben, can you he's unmute like, and change your question? Change- <laughs> Guess he has to move on to our cornet question. No, we're going to yeah, bring in. Like we're going to bring in Austin. Austin, what's up? What's up, Austin? Hey guys, can you hear me? What up, Austin? Yeah, what's yeah. Up, Hello, Austin. First time. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, I will completely get away from the uh, the grants and the uh, failure first round picks. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of want to move this forward to you know what you know where do we go from here? And I was I was kind of thinking about it, and you know I know you guys were giving uh, Bobby crap, crap about someone like. Someone like Luke Cornett and Jimmy Crap about saying um, uh, the Aaron Gordon and the uh, Jabari Parker 2.0 type thing, but Thank you. I think when you look at it, Thank I, I think when you look at it, you know we, uh, you know we're in the position where Tatum's getting the max. We got lucky with Jalen, but he's still getting very close to the max. And you know, as you guys were saying, we have to live with Kemba having the max. So with that being said, we, we have to transition into, you know, can we really pay someone like Gordon Hayward 25 to $30 million? No. So we go and transition into getting someone like Fournier, who we can probably Ugh. get on like an 18 I feel to 20, we could which is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a better situation there. And Jabari Parker's, you know, a completely, you know, low risk, medium to high reward type guy. And, you know, if, if we're going to commit to Tatum and Brown being our one-two, you know, how are we going to kind of move forward with that? Because I personally think, um, you know, stacking up just, you know, the top four, top five guys and just leaving the bench empty, as we've seen the past two, three years, is it just doesn't work. And, you know, how, how are we going to fix this? How, are, how I, I don't really see another way other than, you know – my my vision of the team is is you know maybe getting smart to the bench somewhere, adding a lot of value to our bench, and really really amping that up again because we did have a great bench at one point, um, and it, I think a lot of that had to do with smart, um, and you know I I don't really see any other way of other than maybe 
trading someone like Kemba and just getting roll pieces because then it just adds, you know, flexibility financially. And, you know, if, if the Nets scare us this year, you know, the Nets scare me a hell of a lot more next year when they actually have time to, you know, gel, get chemistry, you know, these I, I don't know. I don't know where our championship window is. I don't really see it this year. I don't see it next year. So, you know, when when do we make that that move to completely transition into maybe you know the year after next year? Um, and 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 what are those moves? Well, I, I don't. I don't think anyone knows what those moves will, will, will look like specifically. But certainly, when you've got Jalen and Jason as kind of your cornerstones you know what you need to surround them with, the type of players that you can win. You're going to have to get guys who are perfectly imperfect for your team. Uh, guys like Jabari Parker, who as great an offensive player as he can be, he has a clear and undeniable flaw to his game, which is his defense. A guy like Grant Williams, uh, as much as we rant about him, he does give you a, another body that can do some things defensively. Not a lot of things, but can do some things. Peyton Pritchard, uh, not the biggest point guard in the world, but is a good shooter, good playmaker. You're going to have to fill your roster out with imperfect pieces that can collectively make a perfect unit. Uh, I like the fact that you, you're adding Fournier and you're going to have Jabari Parker coming off your bench and feel better about them with that second unit and smart with that first unit because we talked about this earlier. The Celtics don't necessarily do as good a job as they can getting the ball into Jalen's hands and, and Jason's hands. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we talk about that more times than not when Marcus Smart is not around. And that's because Marcus is one of the few guys on his team who seems to have a pulse for finding the hot hand and riding that for a little bit. Uh, and, again, this team, because of the way they're built from a financial standpoint, they're going to have to add pieces that just don't, make you feel all warm and fuzzy individually but collectively uh, that's how they got to get this they ha- that's how they have to get this done cuz they can't rely on um one or two guys to get it done it has to be a bunch of guys and and as we pointed out when we talked about the draft it's not like this team nails it when you're talking about picks outside of the lottery i mean Terry Rozier and probably Al Jefferson are probably the two best players that Danny Ainge has drafted outside of the lottery. And when you look at the, their draft picks, they've had a shitload of players that they've drafted. Yeah, I mean, a- Avery, Rob's been good, but you're right. I mean, you're not you're not hitting a lot of a lot of home runs there. Um, oh, and then, it's, and then it's hard the to. That, it's hard to. Yeah, it is. It is. And you see some of the guys that they've passed on. I mean, like you know, you draft Juwan Johnson when you could have had Jimmy Butler. Uh, you know, you you. You, you draft Yabusele in a year where you could have had a, a couple of guys that were drafted later than him. Olenek, um, we all know the, the Giannis right. year, but you of course, up, right. You traded up to get Olenek uh, and, and pass on Giannis, which, again, in hindsight, is a huge, you know, mistake. But at the time, I don't know if you needed to trade up necessarily for Olenek, to be honest with you. Um, but, again, that's neither here nor there. The bottom line is they don't do well when they're picking outside of the lottery. And the way they're built, that's exactly where they're going to be for the foreseeable future because they're going to be good enough to be in the playoffs and not be in the lottery. Yeah. yeah I mean, good qu- go ahead. No, it, it was a good question uh, by Austin. So thanks. Um, we talk about windows all the time with this team. Like they almost have like 
a number of different windows. They have like the window now that appears like, okay, well now that the nets kind of came out of nowhere, kind of feels like whatever window you had here might not, might not be a window anymore, but they also thankfully have Jalen and Jason for the next, you know, four plus years or whatever it is. And theoretically, as long as you have those two players, the window remains open in some, some way. Now the difference will be Kemba will be off the books in two years. Marcus smart will be off the books and, after next season, whether or not they re-sign him is yet to be seen. So that's why we say it's so important to hit, to not completely miss in the draft because you at the very least could be drafting role players that could slide in around Brown and Tatum as they get, you know, further along into their careers and, and get to the age where they are like at their peak, like 27, 28 year old, 29. You know, those are the years where, I mean, believe it or not, these guys are years away from there where they could just get better and better. So you want to have a team built around those two players when they are at th- those years. And it won't be Kemba Walker, most likely. And it, I don't know what, what's going to happen with Marcus Smart. I mean, sure, he's you know great for them right now, but who knows how, what it's going to look like in three or four years. So I mean, he might be a player that's perfect for them at that stage in his career. But that's why you want to hit to some extent in these, in these years coming up because you can keep those types of players at a – price that you can afford to have your max guys around so that's why it's so important but yeah a guy like um a guy like um geez i'm blanking on him now um parker thank you that they just picked up low money extremely low money low risk and a high reward it might be a guy that if you could find guys like that where you can build them build those are the type of role players you can build around guys like tatum and brown because they cost nothing and you'll get them at a, at a low point in the career where you can sort of tap into something that they might have there, like an, yeah. Evan, like an Evan Turner, for example. Yeah. I think, Jimmy, that and I, I think for anybody, there's huge concern, like a ton of questions about the offseason. Like, what are they going to do? The reality is there's really not a lot they can do. So I think the, the solution, or I mean, really what's going to happen is going to be pretty unsexy. Like, there's not going to yeah. be a big trade. You're not shipping out Kemba. You're not getting Beal you're, you're, because you'd have to give up Jalen. You're gonna. So the key to this team getting better or you know getting back into that window is the continued um, growth and ascension of Tatum and Brown into hopefully you know next level superstars. Um, so their growth is number one by far the most important thing. They alone can get you there just if by just by taking that next leap into that next stratosphere of greatness. But they need help. They've been crying. No, but about I, then it's years. then it's you have to you got to eat it, get into the tax, re-sign Smart, re-sign Rob, re-sign Fournier, and then a smart veteran signing or two. You know, you want to. We're not. I'm not going to bash Tristan, but you know, you've got some flexibility with some things. You want to make sure that you're making good on those mid-levels and whatever it is. Then you need some yeah. development from, you know, you need continued development from Rob, maybe a little bit more from Romeo. You need to see Neesmith year two. Most of the stuff's going to happen internally. I think, I think this is yeah. a very, this is a very run it back roster because I don't know short of moving Jalen or, J- or Jason, how you do something drastic here. Rob um, is the only player that can get you anything. And that's only if he has a good, like, rest of this season and yeah. playoff run. But it's it's yeah. the little stuff. I think the answers are here. They might you might not like it and it might not be good enough. I just don't know, you know, you have to hope it is cuz I, I don't know where what else they can do. 
Unfortunately, Kemba looks good right now, which is a massive positive. It it still yep. hasn't reached the point where there's any level of concern, and you can forecast it out to 2023, and that might be fair, but it's not here right now. And yeah. in the next year, hopefully it's still being managed well in a way where they can continue to get good play from him. I've kicked around that idea of breaking him up into multiple role players quite a bit, but there aren't many options, and even that Clippers one I dreamt of isn't that great. So... He's going to be here. He's probably going to be here for the length of that contract, and it's really only two more years, which isn't anything absurd. And uh, that no. last year might end up being a wash, but at that point, it's, as we say, expiring money that could easily be moved at that point. So yeah, and it, I don't it think might, there's any urgency to dump Kemba. Yeah, it might be a different story, too, honestly, if he was, if this was another year of setbacks and shutdowns. You'd be like, we're we're in trouble, um, but but it hasn't been. So you can feel better about him at least in the next year. Uh, all right, Ronnie, and then we're gonna wrap it. Ronnie, what's up? Yeah, so I just wanted to touch on like the playoff rotation. You guys think Parker's gonna get any meaningful minutes? And uh, what about Pritchard? Like, I don't know. Like Bobby said in the post game show, like he was a little lost with the starters, or not with the starters, just like in general on like defensive rotations and stuff. Like, Thompson and Fournier are definitely getting, like, 15, 20 minutes. No, Fournier definitely more, but, like, they're, like, guaranteed. Like, that's the minimum. But, uh, like, Neesmith, he's lost cause. Like, Romeo, they're not getting any minutes, I don't think. So is it just going to be Thompson, Fournier, Pritchard? Um, and also, I don't know if this is just a tonight show, but I want to know who your favorite Celtic to watch was, like, during games, like, most entertaining Celtic for you. That's an interesting one. Uh, guys, you want to you want to tackle that first one on the rotation? All, all I'll say is if those guys are called upon, something's probably going wrong. It, I think his rotation that he pointed out of Thompson and Fournier is where they want to be. Uh, and minutes might get a little heavy there, but I think this is going to be a team that has to rely heavily on its top-end talent and dipping into even Parker at this point for me. I'm just still not sold. I know you're high on him, Sherrod, but I've seen so much poor defense from him in the past. The sustainability, the health issues with him, all that stuff could still manifest itself. And I'm rooting for him like crazy. I mean, there's nothing I want to see more than him figure it out and establish himself here. And there's a lot of reasons you can list off in terms of role, uh, why it might work here. But I'm just, I don't think you can rely on it. Again, it's all reward, no risk. And, the reason for that is that there aren't many expectations at all. Right, right. And the the one thing I'll, I'll say about uh, first of all, that was a, this is a really good question uh, about the rotation. I think that the seven players identified with, specifically with Fournier and, and Tristan coming off the bench. I think that's you can pretty much take that to the bank. And I think Brad is going to lean on one or two other guys, but it won't be the same one or two other guys. Uh, when you look at Romeo, you look at Grant, you look at Jabari. You look at Pritchard. I think you're going to see most nights two of those four guys on the floor in playoff games, just depending on who the opponent is and also depending on what's happening with the core group. If the team is struggling to make shots, you might see Jabari Parker. If they're having some issues with the defensive rotations, uh, you might see Shimmy Ojale or Grant Williams. If they need someone to kind of really step it up as a wing defender to take maybe a little pressure off of Jalen and Jason, you might see Romeo. And that, to me, is, is really what makes the Celtics kind of just, in general, a playoff wildcard team. You don't really know who is going to, who you're going to have to deal with on a night-in, night-out basis. 
you know about that top seven, but you, there's a pretty good chance there's going to be one or two other guys that are going to be in the mix, but you have no idea who they'll be because, yeah. again, it, it will be predicated on how the game is played out. Yeah, situationally yeah. dependent, I think, for sure. Uh, you guys want a shot at that question? You want to get into your best Celt- your, your most entertaining Celtics? Well, no, I was just going to add. Um, sure, I said a lot of what I was going to say, but the one person I really think could step up is is, is Pritchard. Um, I know he's like he gets <laughs> he gets really confident. I mean, we talked about the shot that he did against the Warriors, and of course tonight, you know, he made some big drive. They just couldn't finish at the rim. And he he had something... a game winner too against Miami that people forget about. Right, right, but like, yeah, I mean. I'm just talking about like recently, like I just think Pritchard is it's it's there. He's just like missing, you know. Like it's one of those things where it's like that's not going to happen again. And I like that about him, and I like that confidence. You know, it was a ballsy shot that he did on Saturday night when Steph Curry and, and and Tatum are putting on a show. He takes that three. I mean, I just think that confidence is going to go somewhere in the playoffs. So I, I just that's the one guy I'm keeping my eye out on. And, and of course, you know, you know, Evan Fournier coming off the bench. And Jabari. I think Jabari, I think if Jabari isn't part of this, that might be an issue, honestly, because I'm not crazy about what Grant's been doing. Shemi, like, man, tonight's a perfect example. The first quarter, he hits back-to-back shots, and then, like, you know, you don't see a whole lot of him. But defensively, you're going to need him against Giannis. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But, yeah, you're going to see a little bit of him here and there sprinkled through. But that's my one guy I have my eye on. Boy, Are you guys confident Parker's going to shoot ahead of Grant? I mean, you might be right, but I'm just – I'm not there yet. I, I'm not no, – I need to see more. But he's I'm not 100% direction. either. Yeah. I, I think they would like that to be the case, but it's not a certainty. <laughs> Yo, yeah. Sorry, guys. It's just kind of late, man. I'm ready to come right now. I don't want to be, like, screaming <laughs> and shit. I feel bad. Like, the other night, it's, like, 2 a.m., and I'm, like, dying laughing. I'm, like, <laughs> like <laughs> I'm trying to keep it down, guys. But, yeah, I feel you. I'm, I'm no, talking to my good. Uh, guys, once, <laughs> Go ahead. Guys, once around, once around the horn, uh, answer that question on the, uh, on the inter- most entertaining Celtics. I got neighbors, my bad. Are we talking as as a player or just in general? I think it's all time. Like, like who entertained oh, you most? All time? Oh, that's that's easy. Uh, freaking Kevin Garnett, man. Garnett, how Not about you, Bobby? You know, I gotta go with Isaiah. I, I mean, that was so dynamic, so special on a night in night out basis, and that was frankly what reeled me into covering this team. Like, every single game was such an event during that time. Like, whether it was comebacks, whether it was him having crazy games. It it was just so special. It was a moment in time. Obviously, it spread that weird Celtics Twitter thing. There was just so much that came with that yeah. that makes him the obvious choice. Since I've been covering the Celtics, yeah, I would say IT. But all time, I'm, I got to go Paul Pierce. Uh like, Paul, he was doing it for so many years. And, like, it, it's, like, putting the team on his back alongside Antoine Walker some of those years. And, like, you just felt like he was such the underdog. And to see him on the national stage years later, he knocking off, uh, went toe-to-toe against LeBron James. Game seven, knocked him off. Went toe-to-toe yeah. against Kobe Bryant, guarded him, knocked him off. Like, you know, the, the two best players in the NBA at that time, you know, so that's just something that's just, that's a run that's unforgettable, but also yeah. just the longevity. How long he was doing it before he re- he reached that stage? Yeah, I mean, it's I have to take you got to take Larry Bird and put him in his own category because 
the answer is Larry Bird because it's Larry Bird um, for multiple reasons. I wish reasons. I witnessed Bird for yeah, sure. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the, the Bird thing above all else was the FU factor that he brought to every single night, which is I'm better than you. I'm going to tell you that I'm better than you. We're going to beat you guys by 40 points. It's going to be embarrassing. I'm going to laugh at you all the way out at the end of the court. Then I'm going to drink freaking 15 Budweiser's in the locker room. Then I'm going to come out next game. <laughs> then I'm going to come wow, out next game. And I'm, then I'm going to come out next game and I play left-handed. And then I'm going to tell you where I'm going to shoot from on the court. Like he was a trash talker. He was just be- he was just better. It was just the the supreme confidence you knew. You know, it was like it was like Pedro Martinez at his peak. Like we're going to. I'm going to embat. We're going to decimate you right now. So that, yeah, my like dad, I said, my, my dad told me he yeah. used to go across the bar and freak, I'm across the street and just like drink at the bar and yeah. just like after games with people. And, and, just, and yeah, what's funny is like he, yeah, he'd be such a figure now because he is he transcended because he, he was that guy. He'd go and get in bar fight. He got in a bar fight prior to the finals and broke his hand. You know, like I mean, he was a he was a crazy dude. It's insane. But, uh, the it is. IT is a great answer. KG is a great answer. I'll throw in just for sheer entertainment value, a player who I didn't love during his tenure here, but at his peak levels, I don't think we had anybody like him was Rondo. Um, For those couple of years when he was watch. when the team was his, peak peak national national television game Rondo was freaking unreal. You know, he was he was a triple double. Every time he wanted to be, he was just nuts. And the type of passes and the way he fit, he was just, he was creative. Yeah. It was um, art. Yeah. That Miami yeah. Uh, broken elbow yeah. or dislocated elbow oh, game man. was definitely one of the moments of that decade for sure. Yeah. So he was something like a, the peak Rondo. Uh, he was a frustrating guy for a lot of different levels. I'll throw him out there. I think all of the answers are really good, actually. But um, that, yeah, those great questions. Know, and that, the IT single season might have been the most interesting and captivating. That I agree with that one too. Yeah. Like I, that was like a dream that every whole season. Every single night. Yeah. You didn't have bowl Celtics games like tonight then. Like every night was special then. Whether yeah. it was like the worst team in the league or they were going up against the Warriors back then even. They'd make that a game. It was just insane how competitive they were. Yeah, I, I want to thank everybody again for hanging. We had technical difficulties on our show tonight. You guys hung through that. A lot of you joined us here. We've been going for a while. Uh, it was a boring-ass game and not a ton to talk about, and still a lot of you were in here uh, filling up the chats and uh, comments and joining us to talk, so we really do appreciate it. We got a couple nights off, and we're back on Thursday. Just want to remind everybody, if you haven't already, give everyone on this um, um, everyone on the panel here a follow when we do go live, whether it's for our post game shows or um, other things which we will be doing from time to time. Uh, you will get notified when we do so. So we want to have you there uh, to hang out with us for that as well. Garden report at some point soon. Uh, we'll be going daily, might be during the playoffs, maybe a little bit before that. Um, so that's going to be live as well on off days and on game nights. Um, so you definitely want to be part of that as well. Um, but that's it, guys. Final thoughts before we wrap? I think we said it all. Yeah. Yeah, nothing more to say about this one. <laughs> nothing yeah, more to say much. about this one. Yeah. <laughs> today, was, today was an adventure. I think from, we from, dug from, deeper from, on this game than any other somehow. <laughs> well, from, 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 te- from, from, the, from, our tech, from Jimmy not hearing to technical difficulties throughout the broadcast with our new platform, to Josue getting attacked by a rat. Freaking rat, yeah. Yo, we, need, <laughs> we need to talk about that next episode or whatever. Like, yeah. geez. 
So we will. If we did, if we didn't get to you this time, guys, whoever I didn't get to you this time, I took a screenshot of you. I will get to you next time. I promise. Um, and we will hear. We will see you guys again on Thursday. Good night, all.